During the uh, campaign in Costa Rica, the uh, Yes Two campaign, we uh, did a series of lessons on the plan of salvation. And each night, the speaker would uh, take each step and preach on it. So we uh, heard a lesson on hearing God's word. We had a lesson on believing in Jesus. We had a lesson on confession. Had a lesson on repentance, baptism, and remaining faithful. And each one of those speakers had the opportunity to uh, preach God's plan of salvation in that particular step in the whole scheme of redemption. We uh, the original plan was for every other night we would rotate who was preaching. We would uh, we had people from the U.S. that was going to preach the first night, and then Costa Ricans the second night. Rotate back to the Americans, Costa Ricans, and so on. Well, I get just like every campaign, you got to be flexible. I get there, and the preacher that was supposed to come couldn't come. So I had two preacher students that had just graduated from school. I said, "Y'all ready to preach?" And they said, "Fire in our bones, we're ready." And so I got them to fill in uh, three of the nights, and uh, one of the pre- local preachers filled in one night, and uh, so. Uh, the first night, we had Ted Oakley from Valdosta preach. And then the second night, Raul Ferris, uh, he's preaching, at, or he's one of the evangelists at Grand, uh, Canyon Lakes, uh, preached. And he actually is fluent in Spanish, so he got to preach on uh, believing. And then uh, Jesse Stewart, uh, they, him and Raul are working together at Canyon Lake to preach on confession. And then, uh, or no, Raul preached on confession. Jesse preached on repentance. I preached on baptism. And then one of the other people, uh, Raul preached on uh, staying faithful. So in my this lesson I'm presenting this morning was one that I prepared for uh, the campaign. And, and beginning in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, God created the heavens and the earth, as we see in Genesis 1 verse 1, and took each day and created a part of his great creation. On the sixth day he created man and saw that it was very good. He knows that man was alone and he created for him a helpmeet, and that was called woman. And there in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, God gave gave man one specific command, and that was to to tend, tend the gardens and that they could eat of every tree that they wanted to except for that tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could have whatever they wanted, but they could not eat of that one particular tree. He says, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, Genesis chapter 3, just a few verses later as it begins that chapter, the old serpent comes around the devil. And as he gets there, he comes and he sees Eve and he says, you can eat of this fruit. And what does Eve say? No, we can't eat of that. God said, we shall die. And Eve says, you shall not surely die. You compare Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, you compare it to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, you compare what God said and you compare it to what the devil said, and there's not much difference except for what? One little bitty word, one three-letter word that makes a big significant change, and that is the word not. N-O-T. And when you look at God's plan for salvation, and when you look at baptism in particular, there are religious groups, there are religious organizations, there are people but that put that word not into God's plan of salvation and it changes the whole time and it's the devil at the heart of it. The devil is at the heart of Genesis chapter 2 
in verse chapter 3, and he added that one word, not, and he's still working today by adding that one simple word, not, and changing God's plan for salvation. What I want to look at this morning is five views of Mark 16 and verse 16. There Jesus is, gave him the great commission in Genesis, or Mark 16 and verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. And then Jesus said this, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now you might be thinking, that's the only view that matters, and I would give a hearty amen to that. But the devil is at work, and he has added the word not in several places. And what I want to look at is five different viewpoints from this verse and how different people in the world view it. Let's look at the first viewpoint. Number one, he that believes and is baptized shall not be saved. Now listen to this one more time. Think about who would believe such a view as this. He that believes and is baptized shall not be saved. Now who would believe a view such as that one? Atheists would believe of you because they do not believe in any kind of salvation after this life. They believe that once this life is over that there is no afterlife. There is not an eternal life that we're going to be living. They do not believe in anything called salvation. They do not believe that it does not matter what you do, that you're not going to be saved. And they That you can, be bad, but you can believe in God, you can be baptized, but you're not going to be saved. Muslims would also believe this because they believe that that salvation is not through Jesus Christ, that there's, uh, in their beliefs, in, in the Muslim beliefs, there's not a practicing thing such as baptized. And if, even if you are baptized, you're not going to be saved. Hindus would believe this. Uh, any other non-religious Christian group would hold this view. He who believes and is baptized shall not be saved. But that's not what Jesus said. But it's also not what many other verses say. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3. Here Paul is writing to the young evangelist Timothy, and he says these words. He says, For God is for, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our favor. Now notice verse 4. Who desires all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now people that hold this viewpoint, he that believes and is baptized shall not be saved. They don't believe that any kind of Christian, any kind of God-fearing people are going to be saved. But what does Paul tell Timothy? Hey, God wants all people to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So God wants people to be saved. What about John 14 and verse number 6? There Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by who? Me. So when you look at this, this viewpoint, that such as Muslims and Hindus and any other uh, religious group out there that does not hold true to the Bible or Christianity, they believe that, that Muhammad is the way of salvation. They believe that Buddha is the way of salvation. They believe that all whoever else their God is, is that way of salvation. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus taught himself. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus, Jesus did not say, I am a way. Jesus said, I am the one true living way, and that's how you get to heaven, is by following me. Acts 4, uh, Acts 4 and verse number 12, there is no name saved under heaven except that is what? Jesus Christ. So you're not going to be saved any other religious group or any other thing except in Christ, where all spiritual blessings are found, Ephesians 1 and verse 3. So when we look at this first viewpoint, he that believes... And is baptized shall not be saved. We know that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what uh, we need to believe. Because that is not the, the fact. 
Let's look at this second viewpoint. These first few two viewpoints are probably one of the most uh, not popular as far as when you look at a polling. But the second one says this. He that does not believe and is not baptized shall be saved. Now, listen to this again. He that does not believe, so you don't have to have faith, and is not baptized, immersed, shall be saved. Now, who would believe something like that? Now, now think about it. If you don't believe and you're not baptized, but you're still going to be saved. These are people that we call universalists. They believe that everybody is going to heaven. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what sect you're with. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you're living, you're going to be saved. That's not what the Bible teaches either. If you go, if you're there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, go down to verse number 6. And what and what they do, they, universalists take this one verse and hang everything that they believe upon this one simple verse. Notice what it says here. Who gave him gave himself, that is Jesus, a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And what they say is, since Jesus died for all men, all men are going to be saved. But that's not what this verse teaches. If you go up just back to what we read a few moments ago, there in verse number 4, who desires all men to be saved. Now, if you desire something, does that mean you automatically get it? No. God wants everybody to be saved, yes. But look at the, but look at what the, the, the phrase is after it. And come to the knowledge of the truth. So, just because God desires something, He can make it happen, yes, but what does He want people to do? Come to the knowledge and be obedient to the truth. So, just because you are living does not mean you will be saved. You know, there are many passages in the Bible that talk about how many people will be saved. Universalists that hold this viewpoint of he that does not believe and is not baptized shall be saved. They hold this viewpoint that everybody's going to be saved. But let's look at what Jesus said concerning salvation and how many are going to be saved. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13. And when we read these verses, I want you to notice the word few. F-E-W. Notice how many times Jesus uses this here. Notice it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many... Go in there by it. So who's going? Who's not going to be saved? The many. Most people are not going to heaven. But look at verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And here's your word. And few there be that find it. So are universalists correct that everyone is going to be saved? No. Jesus taught the total opposite. That the minority are going to be the ones that are saved. The few are going to be the ones that are saved. Go stay in the same book, the same chapter, go down to verse 21. It says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father that is in heaven. What does that verse teach us in contrary to universalism? It is that there is something man has to do in order to go to heaven. It is not just simply living and breathing that gets you to heaven. It's your act of obedience to God's will that gets you to heaven. But he that does the will of my Father that is in heaven. Now, does believing enough good enough to go to heaven? We'll talk about that more here in a second. But if you look at verse 22 and 23, it's not. And we'll come back to that verse here in a few minutes. Go to, go to, um, go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 uh, and verse number 16. Here is the parable 
of the wedding feast. He tells them to come and, and that there's this wedding, this wedding ready. Uh, go and get all these people, go into the highways and byways and gather all these people together and, and get them. But here in verse number, I said 16, but that is not correct. It is verse number, uh, let's see, verse 14, excuse me. Matthew 22 and verse 14. This is the conclusion of this parable. For many are called, but what does he say there next? But few are chosen. Many are called, everybody is called by the gospel. But how many people are going to obey the gospel? Few. we got to go get the many to find the few so we can teach them the gospel of Christ. So is this idea of universalism true? No. There are going to be few that find the way of salvation. There are going to be few that obey the gospel. And we need to know that. Go with me now to 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, talking about uh, this idea of he that does not believe and is not baptized shall be saved. Notice what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica here. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning of verse 7. And to you, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord in heaven, Jesus is revealed with it from heaven with his mighty angels. Now notice this. In flaming fire, what does that mean? That there are some people that are going to hell. I mean, I can't be, put it more bluntly than that. Okay? Universalists believe everybody's going to heaven. But what does this verse teach? In flaming fire, taking vengeance upon those who what? Do not obey, do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they shall be punished with everlasting destruction and the presence of the Lord from his glory and his power. What does this verse teach us? That man has to do something to do, to be saved. Universalists believe that everybody is covered by grace. And they go to passages such as Ephesians 2 and verse 8. But you know what we see in Ephesians 2 and verse 8? Where you are saved by grace. And you know what they do? They put a period right there. And they'll even, I've even seen tracts put this. You are saved by grace only. That's not what that verse says. You know what that verse says? You are saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's part. You know what he did? He demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. John uh, John 3, verse 16, He gave His only begotten Son. I just quoted Romans 5, verse number 8. You, you see that God did His love for us. He did His part in the shedding of blood. Matthew 26, and verse 28. But you know what the faith is? That's my part. God did His part. I've got to do my part. You verses believe as long as God did His part, man, doesn't matter what man does, everybody's going to be saved. But that is not the case at all. Let's look at this third viewpoint. He that does not believe and is baptized shall be saved. Now listen to this again. He that does not believe and is baptized shall be saved. Now who would believe a viewpoint such as that? That if I don't believe, but I go get immersed or sprinkled or poured on, I'll be saved. Pretty much anybody that believes in infant baptism. Because anybody that believes in infant baptism believes what? That, you know, a baby, they can't believe. They don't cognitively have that ability to be able to believe in God, to be able to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't have that cognitive ability. But if they are baptized, and I use that term very loosely, that they will be saved. And the reason that uh, that if you do much research into 
infant baptism. The reason that they baptize infants is because they believe that babies are born sinners. But if you go to passages such as Exodus 18, Exodus chapter 18 and verse number 20, it's very simple. It says, the soul that sins, it shall die. The father shall not bear the iniquity of the son, neither shall the son bear the iniquity of the father. Now, what does that teach me? That sin is not hereditary. Now, if you look at a son and you look at their father, you might be saying, hey, you got your father's eyes, right? You got your father, you got your mother's nose, you got your, your, your mother's whatever, right? And why is that? Because we inherit genetically through, through seed those, those characteristic traits. It's through, through genes. But when you look at sin, sin is not something that goes from generation to generation to generation. The soul that sins, the soul that commits the sin, it shall die. The father shall not bear the iniquity of the son, neither shall the son bear the iniquity of the father. Sin is not passed on. And the Bible clearly teaches us that. I heard this illustration one time. You know, Jesus there says what? Come unto me, all you little children. Right? Matthew chapter 18, I believe, is where that is found. You know why Jesus said, come unto me, little children? You know why he called the children? Because they were pure. Because they were innocent. Because they were sinless, essentially. They were safe in the eyes of God. They were humble. All those different things we could look at. Because if, if, if they were born sinners, God would have called them. Right? He didn't say, come here, little sinners. He says, come here, little children, because they are pure and innocent. But when we look at this idea of he that does not believe and is baptized shall be saved, we, number one, knows that it's infant baptism that most people believe this. But let's look at this in, in two ways. Number one, faith is a prerequisite to baptism. Faith is a prerequisite to baptism. You know, in college, I had to take some prerequisites. You know, I had to, before I could take, um, you know, college algebra or whatever, I had to have certain classes. Or before I could take trigonometry, I had to have college algebra. That's probably a better illustration, right? There's certain prerequisites. There's classes you got to have before you get to the next class. But before you get to baptism, what is the prerequisite? It's what Jesus said in Mark chapter... 16 and verse 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So we see that baptism is the prerequisite before you are baptized. But do we see that anywhere else? Yes, we do. Go to, go to the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse number 35. Acts 8 and verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. And began at this scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they went down the road. There came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Notice his question. What hinders me? What is the only thing holding me back from being baptized, immersed into water? Now notice this. What did Philip say? If you believe with all your heart, you're made. The only thing that was holding this eunuch back from being baptized was his what? Faith. Because what comes before baptism? Belief. Faith. And what did he say? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And what did they do? He commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. You know what we see in, both, in, this, in this one conversion story? We see this whole viewpoint destroyed. Because number one, we see that faith is a prerequisite to baptism. But number two, we see baptism is an immersion in water. 
Because many people that hold this viewpoint of infant baptism hold the viewpoint of, of pouring or sprinkling are okay. That's not what this verse teaches because what does it say there? Verse 38. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Many people don't see the em- emphasis of that part of the verse. Because most likely they're in a chariot. You know what's sitting in the corner of that chariot? A jug of water. And they wouldn't have had to stop that chariot if, if baptism was immersion, or excuse me, it was sprinkling or pouring. But they stopped the chariot. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, what the emphasis does that show? If baptism was a sprinkler or pouring, Philip could have just bent down on his knees and got a, a scoop of water and sprinkled him. But they both had to go down into the water because baptism is a burial. And I have more to say about that in a second. So faith is a prerequisite to baptism. But secondly, faith is a prerequisite to salvation. Go, go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse number 9. So we know faith is a prerequisite to baptism, but in the same way, faith is a prerequisite to salvation. Notice what he says here, And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We see that it is a prerequisite to salvation. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 for without, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please God unless you believe in Him. So faith is a prerequisite. Baptism, faith is a prerequisite to salvation. But let's go into more detail about baptism. Baptism is a burial, like I mentioned in Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. But we see that in other passages. If you, if you, even if you didn't look at the Bible... And you just look at the Greek word baptism, which is translated in the Greek baptismo. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar or nothing like that, but I know at least this much. The word baptism, if you look, up, look it up in any, any kind of dictionary, what does it mean? To dip, to submerge, to plunge, and what is that? To go fully beneath the water. It is an immersion. Baptism, the only way that it is described in the Bible, is an immersion in water. For the forgiveness of sins. But you got other passages such as Colossians 2 and verse 12 there where it says, Buried with him in baptism. I don't know how any, any plainer it could get than that in Colossians 2 and verse 12. It, it doesn't say that you're sprinkled with him, it doesn't say you're accord with him, but it says you are buried with him in baptism. Also, we got the picture there in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, there where it says, We are buried with him in baptism. You know what it also says? We're raised up to walk in newness of life. Well, how is the only way that you're going to be able to raise up in newness of life? First, you've got to be buried with them. If you, here's, here's a study you can do on baptism in the book of Colossians. I mentioned Colossians 2 and verse 12. If you go to, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, it talks about being raised with Him. If you have been risen with Him, seek those things above. Colossians 3 and verse 1. Well, how can you be risen with him unless you what? First, been buried with him. Buried with him in baptism is the only way that the Bible depicts baptism. It's man that's added this idea of sprinkling or pouring. So let's look at, the, look at this fourth view. He who believes 
and is not baptized shall be saved. Now, when you look at this fourth viewpoint, it's probably the most popular among the southeast of the United States. Yes, there are people that believe these other viewpoints, but probably with our friends and our, our family, this is the one that most people believe. He who believes and is not baptized shall be saved. Now, let me, let me put it another way. He who believes is saved and then baptized. And that's what this same viewpoint holds. As long as you believe in Jesus, you can be baptized later to show that you are saved, the confession of your faith, the outward and inward faith of an uh, outward faith of an inward faith, or whatever they say about the faith. But they hold this. People that hold this viewpoint of he who believes and is not baptized shall be saved, believe in the doctrine of faith only. Now, I've, I've already mentioned Ephesians chapter 2, but I want you to go back there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Now, like I said, the universalist puts the period after you have been saved by grace through faith. They put the period after the grace. These people add another word here. They believe that you are saved by grace, yes. But these people that hold this viewpoint hold it through faith and they add one more word, only. Now, these people that hold this viewpoint, I've seen in their tracks this. You're saved by grace only through faith only. Now, if you're saved by something only, doesn't that mean that excludes everything else? But what that what they'd also I've seen it that way, but I've also seen it this way. For you are saved by grace through faith only. And, they, and they, that's what they have this verse teaching in their tracks. But is that what this verse says? You're saved by grace through faith. Now, let's define what a biblical faith is. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to see what? By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Enoch. And you see all these things by faith. Let me ask you this. Did they simply believe? Or was it that their belief drove them to do something in obedient faith? It was that they heard God's word. You look at Noah. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things to come, did what? Building the preparing of his ark, right? Did he hear God? Yes. Did he believe God? Yes. But is that all that he did? Or did he build that ark because of his faith? That's, a, that's biblical faith. Hearing God's word and doing whatever God's word says. Not just simply believing. It's more than just believing. But when you look at this phrase, faith only, there's only one time in all of the Bible that it appears. You know that the word faith only is in your Bible? It actually is. Go with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse number 24. Now, I want you to notice how this word faith only is used, though, in your Bible. Notice what it says here. You see, then, that a man is justified by works. A lot of people have a problem with that in the religious world. And notice this. And not by faith only. So you see the phrase there, faith only, but what is it preceded by? The word not. So are we justified by faith only? No. Not by faith only. There's many examples in the Bible that talk about faith only. Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? But those that do the will of my Father that is in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out demons? And thy name done many wonderful works? 
And then what does Jesus say to them? I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that practice lawlessness. There's people that believe in that context. There are people that did many wonderful works. But what did they not do? Simply according to the plan that God had prescribed for them in the Bible. A simpler way of looking at that is Luke 6 and verse 46. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say in the Bible? So when we look at this, he that believes and is not baptized shall be saved. They believe in faith only, which is not in the Bible. I'm going to give you five more passages, and then the lesson is going to be yours. Because we're going to look at this fifth viewpoint, but it's pretty simple after this one. John 3 and verse number 5, Jesus said, Except you be born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that teach us? In order to be saved, you have to do what? You have to be baptized. Acts 2 and verse number 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. Friends, you cannot go to heaven with your sins. Saying a prayer does not have your sins forgiven. Go to Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot hear, nor his ear heavy that he cannot, or his ear heavy that he cannot hear, nor is it, uh, some heavy that he cannot say, but your iniquities have separated you between you and your God. You know what separates us from sin? Or from God's sin? You know what God does not do? He cannot hear the prayers of sinners. But you know what does forgive our sins? Baptism, Acts 2, verse 38. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 is where else. Sons of faith through Christ Jesus. For as many of us that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The question is, how do you get into Christ? Not through believing. We notice that in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's not through confession. Same passage. That gets you unto Christ. Baptism is the point in which you get into Christ. I heard a preacher one time say this, bluntly and plainly. Baptism doesn't do anything. It doesn't save you. I'd like him to read 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, where it says, Where unto the light figure, the antitype, even now, baptism doth also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So these people that believe baptism is not essential for salvation, there are passages after passages after passages that go through this. And I encourage people to do this. Many people say, well, I want to be saved like a thief on the cross. And they, they think, you know, because the thief on the cross believed in Jesus, he was saved. But friends, you know what that thief did? He was under a whole different dispensation. He was under a different baptism. He was under a different law. I want to be saved like they were in the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts and see how they were saved and see if it matches up with the way that you were saved. So when we look at these so these four viewpoints, he that, the, he that believes and is baptized shall not be saved. We know that that's not right. He that does not believe and is not baptized shall be saved. Number three, he that he that does not believe and is baptized shall be saved. And number four, the one we just looked at, he who believes and is not baptized shall be saved. But then there's that fifth and last one. What is that? Just what Jesus said. We don't alter it. We don't change it. He that believes and is baptized, what? Shall be saved. You've got to have belief. You've got to have baptism. And that equals salvation. I was a math teacher, as many of y'all know, for the last seven years. It's an easy equation. He that believes plus baptism equals salvation. And that's God's plan for salvation. It's what Jesus told us to be, do to be saved. We don't need to 
change it. We don't need to twist it. We just need to stick with what God says because that's good enough for them and it's good enough for us. This is the last passage I want to close with and I'll extend the invitation. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. Here it says this, As also in all his epistles, speaking of, them, of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Is there some things in the Bible that's hard to understand? Absolutely. The book of Revelation is hard to understand. The book of Daniel, the book of Isaiah, different parts of the Bible are hard to understand. Yes. Which untaught and unstable people, what? Twist to do their own destruction as they do also with the rest of the Scriptures. You know what people do with baptism? They twist the Scriptures. They add the word not. They, they just twist it just a little bit to make it view their viewpoint or their beliefs or what they were taught up believing. But friends, let's not twist the Scriptures. Let's just simply stay with the Scriptures and do what Jesus said. Maybe you're here this morning you haven't done that and you can do that this morning by simply doing what Jesus said. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But maybe you're here this morning and you have done that and you need the prayers of the church. Look, I had to pray with you and for you and help you be able to restore back to the fold so that you can be, be a faithful member. We can help you any way you come now. Let's get them standing as we sing.